There's been a long standing tradition of the Salvation Army's work. And we understand we don't do this by ourselves. We collaborate with the entire body of Christ, but there is a need for Christ. We also understand that this area, like we've been talking about throughout this entire conversation, there's a hunger for truth. There's a hunger for a move of God, for a move of the Holy Spirit. And we think that the Salvation Army has been throughout the years uniquely positioned to help usher that move of the Holy Spirit. Founded in London in 1865, the Salvation Army quickly circled the globe, going into the streets to minister to the poor and destitute, and now serves in 127 countries. Five local churches worked together to bring the Army to Memphis, and the services began here on October 18, 1900. Over the next several decades, the Salvation Army has grown rapidly with these programs that meet the challenges that uh, many of our citizens have and not only in Memphis, but throughout the entire Mid-South. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm really excited about the opportunity to share with you the ministry of the Salvation Army Memphis. I've got a personal story I'll share in a little bit about the Salvation Army, but Majors Tim and Cheryl Gillum are here, and my longtime dear friend Amy Sparopoulos is in the studio, who is new to the Salvation Army. That's right. Amy, Hi. how are you doing? Doing well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So you're now with this great organization, Salvation Salvation Army Memphis. Yes, it was 100% a God thing. And, you know, we've talked, Byron, about my passion and desire to help women struggling with addiction. When God opened up this door, it was just absolutely something that He did for me, and I'm so grateful. Well, when you reached out to me, I think a text, and you said, hey, I'm looking at making a change. Right. And and I prayed for you right then. Thank you. Because I know God's got His hand on you, and Thank I know you, how much sir. you love the Lord, and love our city, too. Yes. And yes. love ministering to others. And so, absolutely. So this is a great fit. I just see the yeah. fit really, really nice. Yeah. But uh, so the Gillums have been serving the Salvation Army for 27 years. Congratulations. Yeah. And of those 27 years you've been serving, how many of those years have you been married? We just celebrated our 30th anniversary oh, in wow. August Congratulations. Okay. as a married couple. We actually met in seminary. for the, the Salvation Army has a seminary in Atlanta, Georgia. There's four in the nation, but we went to the Southern Territories. Yes. Uh, well, I was going to say in your 27 short years, you've had nine appointments that have taken you from Texas to different positions to Maryland, Virginia, Fort Myers, Florida, mm -hmm. Atlanta, which you just mentioned. And then you've been here now as the area commanders in Memphis and the Mid-South. And we're so glad you're here. And let me go ahead and tell my Salvation Army story, yeah. if I could. Back in the mid-1990s, our family served as missionaries with Transworld Radio, and we were on the island of Guam. And I became dear friends with Captain Dave and Linda Harmon, who were with Salvation Army. They were the commanders of the island. And we became friends. We would go to each other's homes and have dinner together and just enjoy fellowship and ministry together, too. There was a horrible air disaster. Korean Flight 801 crashed on our island. Mm. And I saw Salvation Army mobilized firsthand. And I'm not going to name any other organizations. They're well known. But hands over top, Salvation Army blew it away. And I'm just giving praise to God for that. I know you do too, because there was a base camp set up that they helped. It was on military property. It was a horrible thing. You can imagine 254 lives on a plane. Mm -hmm. And surprisingly, there was originally there was 26 survivors, but that didn't last long over the next couple of weeks. But as they were bagging bodies and clearing out the area and the military were doing this recovery effort, our church volunteered with the Salvation Army to assist, provide food, water, and wow. they did an incredible job over the last next eight weeks. 
and I was so humbled by the way they worked. And then after they had gotten established, within just a couple of weeks, they were doing well. This other organization, don't name any names, came in and said, we can take over now. And Captain Dave was ready just to humbly bow. He didn't want to cause any conflict. I thought, no, don't do that. You know, but God worked it out where they were able to stay. I noticed that when we had problems, disasters like that, when the cameras were turned on, that organization was right in front and center. But when they were turned off, they, you didn't know where they were. Mm-hmm. You guys are in the trenches and God bless you. Thank you so yeah. much for what you do through the Salvation Army. Thank Praise you for sharing that story. Our prayer is that the Lord would continue today to find us faithful in, in those types of situations. Well, the work must be contagious, Amy, because one of their sons, uh, Jacob, was just ordained as a minister and commissioned as a Salvation Army officer. How does that make you feel? Oh, so old. proud. <laughs> <Old>. <laughs> I feel so proud. Yeah. Yes. And the, the interesting and thing is, is that uh, our son was uh, sent to Waco, Texas, which is a appointment that we had yes, back in the day. So we served there. Jacob actually was in fourth and fifth grade while we served as Salvation Army officers in Waco. So oh, he's wow. Isn't that crazy? That's amazing. So it's actually like, crazy to us. Like yeah. it's kind of like that doesn't happen. That's often. surreal. No, it's surreal. Yeah, following in your footsteps. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> almost to the T. Yeah. <laughs> it has to make you feel good as parents. That's really courageous. We thank the Lord for His hand. One hundred percent for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, He yeah. allowed us to be a part of some of that formation, but we probably made a lot more mistakes. Than we did well, that's yeah. a, to that's, help them. That's so a, totally. Well, a real kudos to your parenting. Well, you. Jacob is an answer to prayer. He, he, out of our three children, he was our wild child. And so <laughs> to see him come wow. full circle in serving the Lord in this capacity really does make us. Also to mention wow. Ashley and also Michael, who's yeah. the youngest. Yes. And uh, he's currently a junior at Asbury. Yes, he is. So he's been experiencing some of the revival there. Yes. Yes. He yes. was there last year. When wow. Last uh, uh, April, when uh, February now, sorry, when the when it began. I know something that's important to you guys is getting back to the basics of ministry. Mm-hmm. What exactly does that look like? Well, the Salvation Army is known for a lot of things. In the United States especially, we're known for our social services. But I think I can speak for Cheryl and myself when we say that we need to be about evangelism. We need to be about discipleship. And we need to be about Christian leadership yeah. development. Sometimes I think we can maybe go off track and go down rabbit trails. But I think the basics of evangelism, discipleship, and leadership development are at the core of who we are and what we feel called to do. Well, let's just take evangelism, for example. What have you seen to be some of the core principles to evangelizing our community? And and really, uh, biblically speaking, we're still rookies when it comes to the Mid-South and Memphis. uh, But historically, the Salvation Army has done whatever it takes, whether it's doing open-air services, whether it's going out to where the people are, Here in Memphis, we have a very unique opportunity with our Croc Center because we have 8,000 members and literally hundreds of people who we don't go out to, they come Mm -hmm. to us. And many of them have not been exposed to the gospel. So our prayer is, is as we get used to our new roles here in Memphis, is that we can start tapping into those hundreds of people who come to us on a daily basis and introduce them to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Another principle that Tim just mentioned, too, was uh, discipling your congregations. What are some of the steps you do to assure that? Mm -hmm. So we have actually three churches in Memphis that out of those churches come Bible studies and and Sunday services where we worship together. And so it's really living in community together and bringing people through a discipleship experience. So at our Purdue Center, we have women who are residents that uh, come to us for assistance, but we make sure that we have spiritual formation classes for them to help them in their own journey with Jesus. We introduce them to Jesus. Yeah. 
And then we are able to help them as they want to go deeper, because that is that's something that someone has to want. We right. offer those to them to be able to go deeper with Jesus and walk with Jesus and follow Jesus oh, in all that. of their life. Have you seen some encouraging signs as a result of those in your congregation and those programs embracing discipleship? Oh, absolutely. We have women at our Purdue Center who, again, who get real spiritual meat on a Sunday morning, but are desiring to come on a Thursday during lunch to also, again, go deeper and to want to walk it out. I mean, and and so we have people on site who are willing, officers who is there specifically at Purdue to be able to walk these women through that. One woman who's gone through our program a few years ago, who is now on our staff and is a director of one of our shelters, Renewal Place, who helps women in addiction to not just get on their feet, but to know Jesus. Amy, what an example of of discipleship, right? It's It's crazy. And I just spoke with, had a long conversation with that woman and it was so wonderful because there's such a stigma with people in recovery. People think so many times that they have to have lost everything. They have to be living under the bridge and carry a brown bag. And that is just not true. The reality is that there are so many women out there now that are just struggling to put food on the table, but they're also chained by addiction, whether it's opioids, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's food, financial. making the wrong decisions day after day after day. Exactly. That's why I've always been just very transparent about my struggle, because I want people to know that whatever you're struggling with, God can free you from that addiction. And I've shared this before, but the church that I grew up in, we didn't talk about that. We did not talk about it. We shoved it under the rug. We didn't talk about it. But the church wants to talk about it. They want to talk about it. They want to talk about mental health issues. They want to talk about the struggle because they know there is help out there. So, and the Salvation Army provides that. Yes. It's interesting that we're talking about discipleship and then we're also talking about the part of our community that are struggling with addictions. I I just taught a class at our adult rehabilitation center on Monday night. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a class that was not mandatory, but I had 30 men show up because they're hungry for the word of God. They're hungry for the truth. And when the time for the class had expired, they did not want to leave. Um, (laughs) these, These men are so hungry for the truth of the gospel and want to know how they can participate in a relationship with Christ. I had one young man after the class say, listen, I know, I understand where I am at this present moment, but I feel God is calling me into full-time ministry. Wow. Can, can you help me walk this walk? So there's a hunger for discipleship. There is a hunger for spiritual formation. Salvation is, is the most incredible blessing anyone could receive, but these people that we minister to on a daily basis want to go deeper. Training Christian leaders is another example of those core values that you have. How do you identify leaders that have the potential to take on the leadership responsibilities that are consistent with the values of Salvation Army? We get to see people attend our services and our programs on a regular basis, and if they show any interest at all, we, we kind of nudge up against them and say, hey, you want to go next level? We give them opportunities during our worship services to lead, to read scripture, to speak, 
to participate in those Bible studies, and we develop those skills necessary to be that next step leader. Another part of that discipleship is not just teaching in a formal setting. It is relationship building. That's how you begin to build other leaders Mm -hmm. is through that process. Jesus was in relationship with those 12 men that he called. Mm Right. But he walked with them. Yes. So it's not just about, again, a formal setting. It's about really having relationships, seeing it in other people. And then now we can speak into that young man's life yes. because of the what he expressed. It's really life on life. Yes. Right. And yes. walking in sometimes some messy places with people, too. Yes. Right, Tim? Yeah, you're exactly right. The really cool thing about the administrators of our adult rehabilitation center, and I don't think I'm talking out of school, uh, Captains Ryan and Amber Mayo were part of our lives in a former appointment in St. Petersburg, Florida. Ryan was a beneficiary at the ARC. He was going through the program. And in a class, much like I taught on Monday night, Ryan was a student in the class. He was, he was a rough one. (laughs) He he, he gave me a run for, for my money. When all was said and done, the Holy Spirit did a work on his life and called him into full-time ministry. And now he's a Salvation Army leading this Mm -hmm. ARC here in Memphis. And what a beautiful testimony. And how cool is it that Sean and I get to work alongside of them in Memphis? Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, the basics of the strategy that you do is called RAISE. Can you unpack that for us a little bit? What's RAISE? Well, RAISE was something that we implemented in our last Salvation Army appointment in Atlanta. So our last appointment, Cheryl and I, we were overseers of all youth and young adult ministries for the Southeastern United States. And again, what we discovered during COVID when everything was shutting down, including churches, which just broke our heart, we were able to hit the pause button and ask some tough questions. What has worked? What hasn't worked? And where do we need to make improvements? And we we discovered that in the Salvation Army specifically, we were doing a lot of things that really were not focused on the most important things. Mm. Uh, and so we try to simplify down to those three core principles. We If it doesn't have anything to do with evangelism, discipleship, or leadership development, we need to be hands off. We need to put that to the side, lest someone else worry about those things. And so we gave permission, not that we needed to, because the Holy Spirit does that. We told every Salvation Army in the Southeast United States, if these programs that we're doing, and then sometimes we have required them to do, if it has nothing to do with those three core principles, then don't do it. Do what works. If it's something that is out of the box, if it's something that we've not done before, God bless you. If it's, We need to lead people in those three core principles. And so we, in essence, we believe, led by the Holy Spirit, gave permission to every church in the Southeast Army in the Southeast United States, do what works in those three core principles. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when wow. they are old, they will return. So anyway, that whole concept of raise was based on, on that scripture verse. Tim Sherrill, you both believe that revival is beginning in the church and probably won't happen through typical means. What are the typical means that you're referring to and what do you believe needs to happen before the church does experience a true awakening of the Holy Spirit revival? Typical means would maybe be like on a Sunday morning service and with our traditional religious type things that we do. Like Tim said, there's a hunger for discipleship. There's a hunger for Jesus. I don't think people necessarily know maybe how to articulate that. 
I think that what God is doing right now is realigning the church. Mm. I believe. I believe he's realigning the church with his purposes and his Holy Spirit fire. Because like Tim said, we could tend to do a lot of things religiously. We could tend to have a lot of programs, but at the heart of it, are we speaking Jesus? Are we giving Mm. people Jesus? Are we offering the life that Jesus, the abundant life that he's called us to? Mm. So I feel like that because of that darkness, people have a hunger that they don't even know what it is. We all have it. It's the void that, you know, it's the God-filled void, right? The God-space void. And only Jesus can fill that. And so I believe that young people who don't have that traditional religious background are seeking him. And I think that they are open to what God has for them. And so I think that God is coming through our young people. I mean, isn't it awesome that he's coming to a generation that is so filled with anxiety and fear? Mm. But if you notice the thing that marked the revival at Asbury was peace. Yes, Every nook and cranny of that uh, campus was filled with God's peace. When our son was not, our son, like we said, was a part of that. When he wasn't in the chapel experiencing the revival, like we we tend to think of revival, he'd say, Mom, I'm in my, I'm in my room doing devotions and I'm experiencing God like I've never experienced before. Wow. And I, and I think our young people especially are tired of the form mm-hmm. of godliness and they want to experience the, the power. power of God. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so all the stuff that we've done in the past, all the fluff, all the all the religious activities, they don't want a part. They want something that's authentic, something that's going to matter for eternity. And uh, and I, I agree with Cheryl. I think revival is happening through our young adults. And let me, let me just say something here, Tim. It, this year's National Religious Broadcasters Convention was held in Orlando. And I, I was there. And each year our company has a big breakfast we put on and invite different, you know, ministries that come. And it's, it's a great time. We have probably 400 people in, in a big breakfast. And this year we had a young man from Asbury. He's a junior or sophomore. I don't remember his name, but Mr. Bott made sure that he and his family were there. And he did our opening prayer for our breakfast. And I thought heaven was going to come down. Mm. I mean, this prayer was, Amy, this prayer was incredible. And it brought tears to your eyes to to see this young man and Mm. the way he was. It was like he was in front of 400 people, but he was talking to God. The people weren't even there. He was talking to God. Wow. And that was being communicated Mm -hmm. to us. It was beautiful. I think the other thing that that marked that particular revival was repentance. Mm. Our young people are not ashamed or not. They're not afraid to, to say God, we're sorry. We need yeah. you. And we repent. And that was marked at that particular point in that revival. That's yeah. how it broke out yeah. was that they were crying out to God and, and then God met them where they were. I mean, what a lesson to us. <laughs> like we just have a hard time saying I'm sorry to anybody, you know, and and they were willing to just be so transparent and so vulnerable to the spirit to say, I'm sorry. I want more of you. Yes. What is, I don't know what that looks like, but I want more of you. And I he think, came. And I think we do the church a disservice when we say young people are the church of tomorrow because the same Holy Spirit that speaks to and through me and us speaks to and through our young people. And I think we have an obligation to provide a seat at the table for our young people, to allow them an, a channel to be a voice yes. and, and allow them the opportunity. Listen, I'm not a young man anymore, but I'm learning so much through our young people and yes. their, their passion. Well, Tim, let's flash back to Tiananmen Square in yeah. China. Right. When you got young teenagers standing in front of tanks ready to 
sacrifice, right. you know, and it's the young people that you're seeing these revivals start in right. their hearts, you know, and that's the passion because we become needs. crusty and that's right. That's the passion. The and church complacent, needs. frustrated. And I totally agree. I think the younger generation gets such a bad rap so many times about doing this and speaking LOL and those, two, you know, that's how. But really, I do believe that they're not afraid. Mm -hmm. They're um, very passionate and yes. they're passionate to say, I love the Lord. I want to work for the Lord. I want to do things for Jesus. And I think that sometimes being in an older generation, we close our ears to that and we don't invite them to the table. And right. that we're doing ourselves a huge disservice if we continue to do that. We need to open yes. the doors and bring them in and welcome them in. Yes. I don't know if our listeners know this, but Memphis is the only city in the United States to have all three signature programs of the Salvation Army right here. Hmm. That's so great. That's big, right? I just got That's chills. Huge. I love that. It is Yes. Why, why do you think there's such a commitment here, Tim? Mm. Why well, I think that the Mid-South needs Jesus. <laughs> 100%. But just like any other community, the Salvation Army has a rich, rich tradition in the Mid-South. I got a phone call the day that our move was made public. We were in Atlanta, and I got a phone call from a former area commander, Colonel Danny Morrow. He says, Tim, I don't know what your thoughts are regarding this new appointment, but I will tell you, it was the best and my favorite appointment. He ended his, his officership, uh, his active officership in Memphis. There's been a long standing tradition of the Salvation Army's work. And we understand we don't do this by ourselves. We collaborate with the entire body of Christ, but there is a need for Christ. We also understand that this area, like we've been talking about throughout this entire conversation, there's a hunger for truth. There is a hunger for a move of God, for a move of the Holy Spirit. And we think that the Salvation Army has been throughout the years uniquely positioned to help usher that move of the Holy Spirit. Well, the Angel Tree program brings Christmas joy to thousands of children and seniors that are in need each Christmas, often preventing eviction or utility cutoff. I don't think I realized, Amy, that when we talk about the Angel Tree program, that it was helping seniors at all. I didn't realize that. You know, a lot of people do not. They just think children. And that's such an interesting avenue and one also that I'm passionate about because I feel like some of our seniors in our community and I know this because they've shared this with me. They feel like they're forgotten. Okay. They feel like so often they're put in a place and sort of said, here, we want you to live your life out here and don't bother us. Don't talk to us. Mm. It's so sad. It breaks my heart because we, you know, that's another reason I'm involved with the veterans here in Memphis, because we could learn so much from our, I, I say, young at heart. That's what I like yeah. to call yeah, yeah. Uh, because they have walked the walk and mm -hmm. talked the talk. And so many of them just need some love. And so, yeah, Cheryl, that, that is a misconception about the Angel Tree program. They think it's only kids. Well, and, and because in certain Salvation Army cities, it is just for children. Mm -hmm. But the, the Salvation Army has always kept seniors as a priority. And we have yeah. always helped seniors during the Christmas time, whether that's through the, the name or the program of the Angel Tree or whether it's what we call community care ministry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is something that, again, is expressed in other Salvation Army cities where the church will go and give gifts and go visit mm -hmm. uh, different um, nursing homes, right. go room to room and have prayer with people and give them a gift and, and things like that. Or whether it's giving seniors a food basket 
you know, so we've always, seniors have always been at the heart of the ministry of the Salvation Army. Um, here, it's expressed through the Angel Tree Program. Well, and the Angel Tree Program is wonderful because our listeners can go as we get closer to the holiday yes. time and adopt an angel off a tree and go buy gifts, right, for yes. the Angel Tree Program. Mm -hmm. But also connected to the Angel Tree Program are those red kettles that are no! bell ringers around, ring, 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 and, and it's all <laughs> over the city. And that's coming up soon, too. Yes, it is. Do um, you want to speak to the kettles? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we we have a little bit of a dilemma, to be honest with you, with that traditional red kettle program. More and more people are walking and doing their shopping without carrying cash. Yep. And well, we're living in a day and age now where having those kettles in front of merchants can present several issues. So we're looking we're looking at different ways that people can contribute because certainly we cannot do what we do without the generous donations of our community. What about a QR code by the red kettle there, you know? Yes, <laughs> we, we do have those. We, we do have those. Do. Listen, okay. this yes. year when you walk by those kettles, yes. those QR codes will be there. We can also, there are so many different yes. avenues that, yes. that you can give. But uh, we certainly believe that the red kettle will will play a part moving forward. But we're living in a different day and age now where the salary storm is going to have to be a little bit more creative with what we do during the holidays. But one way we're trying to make it accessible is by people going to SalvationArmyMemphis.org mm -hmm. and they can click on that red kettle or they can click on the Christmas uh, banner and see how they can get assistance through Angel Tree, whether it's online or in person. And then they can also donate for the red kettle. And Cheryl, I think campaign. it's important too. Isn't the money that's donated here locally, doesn't it stay in this area? It absolutely yes. stays yeah. here. Yes. I think that's important for because our listeners. We want to help our seniors. We want to help our, that's right. you know, our kids that are in trouble and, and all the programs that Salvation Army is involved with. It's one of our biggest fundraisers for the year to help us with our operating costs to help assist people throughout the year, those women who are in our shelter. And we have a program called Pathway of Hope, which mm -hmm. is helping get people from instability to stability, to get them from poverty to self-sufficiency. Yes. And so that money helps us to... Do you need volunteer them. ringers? Absolutely. Oh, yes. my goodness, yes. <laughs> More now than ever. Yes. <laughs> so how do you get to become a ringer? Do you well, have to take a ringer test? or that, that, no. <laughs> no, no ringer Actually, test. Actually, hey, when we were in Guam, our family, we on the Good Friday opening the holidays... Mm -hmm. In Guam, right out front of the Micronesian Mall, uh, our family, our kids were stair-step at the time, 11, 8, and 4. And we were there ringing bells. And my middle son had learned how to tie balloon animals. So as kids would come by with their parents, he would give them a balloon animal. And we were ringing the bell and had a great time doing that. Puppies and children are great. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they are. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and just like Cheryl said earlier, that website, SalvageArmyMemphis.org, if you go there, you can click on whatever information kind volunteer of strikes your fancy and volunteer in any area that you feel led to volunteer. Well, friends, the Salvation Army of Memphis is about so much more than just that red kettle initiative. But it's don't make light of that kettle now. That's so important, as we just mentioned. You can make a difference, too, by supporting this great work of Salvation Army Memphis as they help address poverty, addiction, homelessness, youth development, adult rehabilitation, and so, so much more. They're really loving our neighbors directly with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about. Major Tim and Major Cheryl, God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. Amy Sparopoulos, always good to see you. Thank you, my friend. We Thank appreciate you. you. We God. appreciate you, Byron. And so give that web address one more time. SalvationArmyMemphis.com. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.
If you would like to listen to today's show again or share with a friend, go to BotRadioNetwork.com and look for Mid-South Viewpoint under the broadcast tab. The show is also available on your favorite podcast platforms. Some shows have video of the interviews as well and can be viewed at Byron Tyler Radio on YouTube or on our Bot Radio Network mobile app.